In today's episode of Design Break Podcast, we are going to be discussing something that everyone is always asking, and that is when to make the jump to being a full-time freelancer. So let's dive in. And welcome to Design Break Podcast, a podcasting experience designed to help you break into the creative world, grow your career, and push your potential as a creative professional. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, and I'm here to help you accomplish all of that. So let's get started. All right. Hello, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great day. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Design Break Podcast. This is the second or third episode uh, that I've recorded since jumping back into this. So I'm really excited about it. And I hope you guys are excited for more episodes and specifically about the topic that we're delving in today. Now, today's topic is when to make the jump to full-time freelance. This is actually going to be split up into two parts. And in this episode, we're going to talk specifically about planning it, you know, how to go through, create a master plan. So let's delve in. Now, before I get started, before I start saying anything about this, let me have a little bit of disclaimer. I am not a financial counselor. I am not a lawyer. I am not an accountant or any of those uh, legalese type of jobs. You know, I can only share with you what I've learned, what I've heard from professionals, or even share my own experiences. So please keep in mind, Results may vary. <laughs> okay. So in a perfect world, you will want to create a master plan for your jump into working full time for yourself. Now, this is very important. You do not want to just like go and jump into being a full time freelancer out on a whim. Please do not do that. In fact, I will probably repeat that multiple times in this episode. Now, there are many things that you will want to do. There are many things that will now, this, this will include many different things that you'll want to consider or execute on before you make this jump. Now, there are many things to consider. You know, if you think that making the jump into being a full-time freelancer is an easy task, is something that anybody can do, unfortunately, you're somewhat wrong. Yeah, everybody can definitely make the jump into being a full-time freelancer. Unfortunately, not everyone will succeed. I remember reading something a while back in Harvard Business Review where they talked about a large proportion of people who go into freelance don't succeed after two years. I believe it was like a 70 to 80% drop-off rate for freelancers that they don't make it past two years as freelancing for themselves. I personally was working full-time for myself for five years. Uh, so I do have a little bit of an idea of, of what I'm talking about. And that's why I kind of want to share my own experience. Trust me, there were plenty of times where I was like, do I want to quit? Should I quit right now? And it took me five years before I finally decided, you know what? I'm going to move freelance to now a side uh, gig, a side business versus having my full time. So hopefully all of this helps you guys out. Hopefully all of this makes sense. You'll want to create this master plan. And, and here's like a list. Here's a list of six things that you'll want to consider before you make the jump into full-time freelance. Number one, you'll want to create a financial buffer for yourself. Usually three to six months worth of finances is very important. Number two, you'll want to make a list of all of your freelance clients that you've worked with to date. You know, this goes back to any clients you had in college, any clients you've worked with while you're working full time, whether it's 
you know, three years ago, five years ago, make a list of all of them. Go back, track through your emails, track through your messages, try and find them and create this list. Also include your friends, your previous coworkers, people that follow you on social media. Basically try and create a nice long list of everyone that you can think of because you'll want to have this to fall back on uh, when you make that jump to full time. Don't worry, I'm gonna go into each one of these you know, individually, so don't worry, we will come back to each of these. Number three, make sure that your portfolio and every single one of your social channels, your Instagram, your Twitter, LinkedIn, all of those are up to date. Because if you don't have those up to date, you know, people are gonna find you on, on social media, they'll be like, okay, why is his Instagram or why is her Instagram, you know, all pictures of their dogs. You know, you want to make sure that you have everything up to date and ready to go, ready to, uh, you know, push forward with content. Number four, get your affairs in order. Get all of the accounts and legal things out of the way so you're covered and protected. Number five, don't leave your day job on bad terms. See, that's, we already came back to that. You do not want to snipe uh, customers or clients from your full-time job because you don't want to leave them on bad terms. And I'll explain a little bit why in a moment. And finally, number six, plan your date. Plan the date that you're going to go to full-time freelance. Don't just go out on a whim. Remember, I'm, I'm going to say this over and over again in this episode. Do not go out on a whim and just jump into being a full-time freelancer. That is not a smart thing. You do not want to do it as long as you can help that. And that will be something we talk a little bit more about in episode two. All right, so let's jump back to the first one. You'll want to create a financial buffer for yourself. Now, I say here, and this is you'll hear this from everybody, every one of the, the freelance gurus, the, the many different people out there, they will say that when you jump to being full-time freelance, you'll want to have three to six months worth of expenses. Now, that doesn't mean just going back and looking at, uh, you know, quickly at how much you spend in a given month, because every single month is going to be different. What we're talking about is we're talking about budgeting. So sit down with a piece of paper, open up your bank accounts and go through and look at what are the bills that you have each month. What bills do you have? What's your rent? What did you spend on food in an average month? Like actually go in and look at three to five months worth of these things so that you can go in and you can actually, you know, figure out a kind of average for your food. Same goes for entertainment. Yes, include Netflix, include Hulu. You are going to want to have some entertainment so that you can relax after all of this because I'm telling you right now, it's stressful. Being a full-time freelancer is very, very stressful. So you'll want to have some bits of entertainment and Netflix and Hulu, those subscriptions, they're not a whole lot. They're not going to set you back. If you are working as a full-time freelancer and you can't afford, was it $15 for Netflix or Hulu, then there is something wrong. You need to really evaluate what you are doing, uh, but definitely include those types of entertainment. Once you've done that, take all of the, the money that you uh, have or all the money that you are uh, budgeting out here for your bills, your expenses, and things like that, and then add 10% to it. Add the 10% because you'll want to have a little bit of a buffer zone for all of this. You know, There's plenty of times where I go through and I do my budget and I'm off by anywhere between five to even 15%. So it's good to include some sort of 10%. And 
one thing you'll want to do when you are working for yourself, when you're freelancing full time is you will want to do this every single month. Make sure to see how much money you have in your business account, your personal account. How much money are you paying yourself? You know, make sure that you can survive. And if you don't keep track of all of these things, they will get away from you. And next thing you know, you have no money in your bank accounts. So please focus on these things. But once you have that number with that 10% padding, then multiply it by three, multiply it by six, multiply it by whatever amount of months you want to have saved up because that is the number that you need to have in the bank account to survive for that much time. There are going to be ebbs and flows when it comes to freelancing. That is a given. That is going to happen. And so it's very important that you go through and you save up money and you have a bit of a cushion because you will have moments where you have no clients. You will have moments where clients don't pay you when you think they're going to pay you. So you need to make sure that you have some sort of money set aside to cover that. All right. So that's number one. That's, you know, make sure that you create a financial buffer for yourself. Number two is you'll want to make a list of all of your freelance clients. Now, this is something that a lot of people might not think about. Uh, they might not think you know, to actually sit down and create a list or even a database. I've created in Notion, I love Notion, it's perfect for something like this where you're kind of like creating this plan. I use Notion and I've created a database of all of my clients for the past 10 years. Um, all the clients that I want to continue to work with, all the clients that love to work with me, uh, as well as a lot of my friends, a lot of my uh, friends who have shared freelance projects with me or friends that I know that I could reach out to and see if they know of anybody that needs work. Now, you will not want to use this list every single day or every single week or every single month. Make sure that you use, you're very uh, respectful of this list of people. Now, when you make that jump to full time, by all means, contact these people. You know, let them know, like, hey, Bob, I'm actually making the jump to full time freelance. And I was curious if you might need any help working, you know, help with illustrations or help with branding or web or whatever it is that you're planning on doing full time, you know. But the important thing here is not. Please, 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 please do not overdo it. Make sure that you create this plan to reach out to these people when you go to full-time freelance. Not before, not you know, a few months after. Try and do it right then when it happens. Then once you've actually emailed these people or messaged these people or even called these people or met up with them for coffee, then also make sure the day that you go into full-time freelance mode, the day that you make that jump, that you share it on social media. Plan ahead of time to have some sort of social media blitz where you're announcing that you're going full-time freelance so that everyone can tweet it, everyone, or excuse me, everybody can retweet it, everybody can reshare it, and make sure to pin that tweet. Please pin that tweet on your profile. So that way, anyone that follows you or checks out your profile, they see, oh, wow, they're a full-time freelancer. You know, make sure that you do that. You know, if you have a newsletter already, if you have some people following, even if it's just like a handful of people, send out a personal letter 
to the group. Let them know that you're making this jump, that you're making this move. Tell them why. Tell them the things that you want to accomplish with doing this. Tell them the types of projects that you want to do. Tell them your availability over the next couple of months. You'll be surprised where stuff like that can really take you. You know, plan to share content and work on your social for the next 30 to 60 days. So create a large batch of content that you can then go and share out uh, on social media. You know, create, you know, posts about your illustrations, posts about your logos, you know, just keep churning out content and don't share it yet. Save it. Create like a nice big amount of work that you can then go and share. But the important thing is, do not, please, and this I already said this once, do not flood your social channels every single day with, does anybody need a logo? Does anybody need illustrations? Do not do that. You become so needy at that point, and you turn people off to wanting to help you. They then think, oh, if Rocky is reaching out to me right now, that means he wants something. And trust me, I did that at the beginning when I was first going full-time freelance, and I burned a lot of bridges. It took a lot of work to kind of to get those relationships back on track to where I wanted them to be, where people didn't think that I was just some sort of leech. So please do not do that. And some of this goes into the third part, which is make sure that your portfolio and social channels are up to date. You know, plan out, you know, sit down, Work with a copywriter friend or hire a copywriter on uh, Fiverr or something like that to go through and write bios for you for your social channels. Make sure that you include in these bios and don't change it until you make the full-time jump, but make sure that you say full-time freelancer, independent designer, small business owner, whatever it is, whatever niche that you're working to fill. For instance, I always always included full-time freelancer into my bio. I always included small business owner or a studio owner or independent studio owner. I always made sure to include those in there. And don't worry about adding catchy titles. I used the, the title of design director later on as I started adding in freelancers into my corral of projects. But you do not need a special title. You do not need, you know, design director, art director, you know, design founder or whatever it is. You don't need those crazy titles in your profile. Just say that you're a full-time freelancer because a lot of times uh, bigger companies prefer to work with freelancers over agencies. Don't oversell yourself in that. But plan out and create those batch posts. You know, I like to focus on Instagram. I like to focus on LinkedIn, which is something I used to always talk bad about. I never used to use LinkedIn. Now I love it for finding freelance projects. I loved it because it actually helped me get my full-time job when I made the jump to working full-time uh, in-house somewhere. It helped me find that job. But then especially Twitter. Twitter has so much potential and so much power that I feel like it's one of those things that a lot of people kind of don't think too much about, but I feel like it has a lot of potential, especially to bring in potential clients or potential projects. All of those channels, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, all three of those are very powerful. As I mentioned in a previous episode, Dribbble used to be one of my number one choices for that. Dribbble has gone downhill a lot in the last few years. It's very sad to say that, but if you want to, plan to have a bunch of Dribbble shots that you can share as well. And don't share the same post across social media. You know, if you create 30 pieces of content, 
then plan them out to where you're sharing each one or each one every other day. So like, for instance, let's say you're sharing A on Instagram, share B on Twitter, and then share C on LinkedIn. Then the next day, reshare those, reshare, uh, you know, A on LinkedIn, uh, B on Instagram, and C on Twitter. That way you're kind of like, you are still sharing things that people might be seeing on duplicate of, but at least it's not all duplicate on the same day because then they get fatigued with seeing your work. You know, if you're open to it, start a podcast or a YouTube channel, you know, share your work, share your process on there. You'd be surprised, even with a small amount of followers, people actually love looking at YouTube videos on process and how you work, especially employers. So definitely, definitely think about doing that. All right, number four, get your affairs in order. Now, you almost seem like it's like almost like a death sentence, right? You're getting your affairs in order. You know, you're going to die here. You're not going to die. You're not going to go and have to fight your fight your way off of a cliff or something like that. Hopefully that's not going to be the case. What I mean here is that you'll want to take care of all the accounts and legal things that will cover you and protect you in the long run. So what I'm about ready to share right now is specifically for people in the United States. It may vary in other countries, so I do apologize. Unfortunately, this is only my own experience because I am in the United States. But create an LLC, limited liability company. You know, this will protect you personally. For instance, if a client sues you, then they are suing the LLC that they're in contract with and not you personally. It gives you a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of safe area. You want these buffers. You want these safe havens here for your protection. So get yourself an LLC. You can do that through LegalZoom um, or you can do it through a lawyer. I use LegalZoom personally. I think it's probably one of the better things. Don't do all the add-ons, okay? Do not spend so much money on trying to get an LLC set up, go with the bare minimum setup, go with their base price. It won't be that bad. Once you have that, once you have your LLC, uh, it's registered with your state, wherever you are, then go over to the IRS's website. I know we're all scared of the IRS. They are very scary. I owe them money. Yeah, it's it's always uh, a scary thing, but get yourself an EIN number. Now, this is basically like a social security number for your business. It's your tax identification number. And you basically need this number in order to set up anything else with your business. Specifically, the next part, which is your bank account. You want to have a separate bank account for your business. Do not funnel your funds through uh, your personal account from clients. Have them send the money to your business account, and then you can pay yourself or transfer money, and this is kind of like a gray area here, transfer or pay yourself from that business account into your personal account. Make sure that your funds are funneled into that account because if they sue sue your LLC, then and you have your personal account attached to the business, they can go after your personal account. They can freeze your assets in your personal account versus freezing your assets in your business account. So please, please be careful with that. And at the same time that you're kind of starting assembling all this stuff, start assembling a team of professionals that can help you with all of this. So for instance, like a lawyer or an accountant, some people used to say bankers, I'm not a fan of bankers. I find them way too pushy. So I try to stay away from that. But having a lawyer, having an accountant, especially an accountant for tax time, uh, if you're not making a ton of money, just having an accountant for tax time is very important. 
A lot of times you can do trade of services um, with these professionals uh, for them to help you. Uh, you could always trade creating a logo for a lawyer or business card design or something like that, letterhead. They love that stuff. They can then go and do a trade of services with you, and then you can basically uh, get their services either discounted or for free. I had to uh, get a lawyer's uh, help and guidance once with a very, very difficult client, and they helped me out for free. They were just they just happened to be neighbors of mine, and they wanted to help me, um, especially after they saw uh, what was going on in the background. But it's very important that you at least have some sort of access to a lawyer or an accountant who could at least help you uh, plan all of this stuff out. Uh, I wish I would have done that in the beginning. They can help you draft up your first contracts and things like that. And that's very important, especially when you're jumping into all of this. Uh, you want to make sure that you have at least a contract, a boilerplate contract figured out for all this so that you're protected uh, and that you have something to share with clients to get their signatures on. Sometimes clients can only use their own contracts. That's okay. But for the most part, it's better if you can get them on your terms versus you being on their terms. Now, the fifth one, we're not, we're not done yet. There's still one more after this, but the fifth piece here is don't leave your day job on bad terms. Now, when I uh, went full-time freelance, I was actually fired from my job. I had decided a week prior to being fired that I was going to go full-time freelance. I was going to give myself three months, two to three months to go through and plan and get everything squared away. And then I was going to, uh, to leave, you know, give my two weeks and everything like that. When I started work the following week after I made that decision, I did not slack off. In fact, I did even more work than I had done previously. I was doing everything I could possibly do. I was getting so much accolades and things like that from my coworkers. Everybody was like, good job and everything. And so it kind of you know put the company in a bad spot when they ended up firing me because everybody's like, what the heck? Why are you doing this? But it's important that you leave on good terms with your day job. You never know who will want to hire you as a freelancer, right? A lot of times, previous employers like to hire uh, people that they know to do freelance projects. I've had plenty of friends who leave a job in good form, good fashion, and what happens is their previous employers content like, hey, if you're open, we would love for you to help us out on this project or that project. It happens all the time. And so you don't want to be cheesy, be like, not cheesy, you don't want to be sleazy and go after a client that your, your uh, previous employer had. Now, if those clients come to you, that is a different story. In fact, I actually have uh, one client from a previous employer who reached out to me a few months back and they were like, hey, you know, I loved working with you at this place, I would love uh, love for us to work together again. Uh, you know, the previous place is no longer in existence, so I kind of need help here. So, you know, here's a client that loved my work, came back to me six years later. Yeah, it's been six years, but we're off to possibly work on another project together. You know, that's a different different field, different story here, but you never know what could happen. You know, and the same thing goes for previous coworkers. You know, the whole reason why I got connected with Adobe and I started doing a lot of stuff with Adobe was because of a former coworker reaching out to me and like, hey, you know, I've got friends at Adobe. Would you like to chat with them about possibly going on their live stream? I was like, uh, yes. 
So there's a lot of reasons why you want to leave on good terms, especially with your employer and most importantly, your coworkers. Coworkers today can be, you know, Fortune 500 CEOs tomorrow, believe it or not. I do have a couple of former coworkers who are in that position today. So it is very interesting to see that. All right, the final piece. This is like the final and yet one of the most important pieces. In fact, it probably really should be the first piece that you actually go after when you make this decision to go full-time freelance. And that is number six, plan your date to go full-time freelance, to go full-time, to go off where no one has gone before. Okay, a lot of people have gone gone there before, but you get the gist, right? And it's so important that you do not say, tomorrow I'm becoming a full-time freelancer. Please, for the love of God, for all that is holy, all that you know is divine out there, please don't do that. It is the worst possible decision that you could ever make. To get all the things that I've mentioned above done, you're going to need time and resources in order to do it. Instead of choosing, you know, a date somewhere off in the distant future or some obscure date, like, I don't know, June 7th or, or something, actually think about it. You know, preferably set a date three to six months down the road. You know, some people might be like, you know, I want to make the jump now. I don't want to give it three months or six months. I want to do it now. You're going to fail if you do it now. Please, Give yourself three to six months. Three to six months gives you plenty of time to save up the the funds that you need to work on freelance. You know, use that time to do everything that you need to do. You know, this is the only time that I'll say that you need to hustle. You know, the time right before and the time right after you start working for yourself is what I like to refer what I like to refer to as the hustle period. This is the time where you are going to be working the hardest that you have ever worked in your career. You know, this is not for the faint at heart. And this time period, it doesn't last a month. It doesn't last three months. It lasts six months to two years, in my opinion. You know, with the latter being when most freelancers decide it's time to keep going or quit. And like we, like I said earlier, a lot of freelancers choose to quit. So it's very, very important that you go through and you sit down and you plan your date, plan your time, figure out, okay, what are the milestones? What are the things that I need to accomplish between now and that time when I go full-time freelance? Sometimes you may even want to sit down and set a specific date that you want to start and then a fallback in case you have not gotten everything done that you need to get done. So don't worry if that happens. It happens to a lot of people. It happens every single day. You will work for yourself full time if you put in the time and energy. If you go through and do all of these things, all six of these individual things, in reality, there's probably like 50 of these things that I mentioned. But if you go through these six steps, you know, you'll be way ahead of the curve from most of the people who make that jump into being full-time freelancers. So let's actually stop right now. Let's go back and recap to what you have to do before you start freelancing full-time. So number one, you want to create that financial buffer, create it three to six months. You want that, you need that. It's important. Number two, create a list of all your current and past clients, friends, coworkers, and anyone else that you think may want to hire you. Three, make sure your portfolio and your social channels are all up to date and ready to go. I didn't really talk too much about portfolio, but 
I feel like I've talked about enough across the board on other episodes. Your portfolio is important. Do not show old work. Show newer work. If it's more than, than four years old, it's old work. If it's more than two years old, it may be old work. Show new work. New work. Show new work. Number four, get your affairs in order and get all of those accounts and legal stuff ready to go. Trust me, you'll want to. Five, don't leave your day job on bad terms. Do not snipe clients from your your employers. Please do not do that. And finally, number six, plan your date to go full-time and don't do it sooner than that. Don't make that jump in half the time than you originally uh, planned to unless you kind of have to. Now, with this plan, I can't guarantee you that you're going to be successful as a full-time freelancer. I, I can't. I wish I could. I wish I could sit there and say, if you follow all these steps, you will succeed. Unfortunately, that's not the case. There will be lean months while you're doing this. There will be months that you can feast. And I wish I could say that the feasting months are going to be more than the than the uh, lean months. <laughs> That's not the case. The lean months are usually more than the feasting months. There's usually a lot more months where you're going to struggle, especially in the beginning. You know, you will be scared. And if anyone anyone says that they weren't terrified when they started their own business. They are lying to you. I don't care how successful they are. They were scared in the beginning. If you're not scared, then you're a psychopath, you're a sociopath, and I don't know what to say to you. But the important thing is, it's not easy. Making that jump to full-time freelance is not easy. It's very difficult. There are many courses and books and things out there that cost god-awful amounts of money, and they give you a lot of great ideas, but they don't really set you on the right path. Or they go on to these obscure topics that may not even help you or may not even pertain to you. And so you kind of have to like pick and choose what you listen to. This podcast is free. There's no sponsorships here. There's no cost. There's no barrier to entry. So, and you can take what I say, you know, as truth, or you can decide that, oh, Rocky doesn't know what he's saying. I'm going to go spend $10,000 on a course with someone, you know, who has made a ton of money that can help me. Go ahead and do that. It's okay. If you want to spend that much money, yeah, it, go ahead and do that. But that's ridiculous. Now, I'm going to be 100% real with you, with each and every one of you right now. I kind of already am, but I just want to say I'm going to be 100% real with you. And you may not want to hear what I'm about to say, but you will not have the same road to success or failure that everyone else has or that anyone else has. The road that you're going to be traveling down in this whole freelancing you know, world that we're living in, it's going to be different than everyone else. No one is going to have the exact same road that you have, except for maybe a few glitches along the way. Your work, skills, and determination are going to be really what decide whether or not you succeed or fail. And most self-help gurus out there, I'm not a self-help guru, do not call me that, please do not call me that. I'm not a self-help guru, but most self-help gurus out there talk about how determination is the most important part of how to be successful in anything that you do. I completely disagree with that. It's about the work that you put in, but most importantly, and this is the part that a lot of people may not agree with me, or they might be like, he actually is right in this. It's about your skills and your skill set. You know, there are some great white buffaloes out there 
on social media and YouTube that have these big channels that make all this money creating this stuff, their skills are not that great. In fact, for the most part, they kind of suck. And yet they are popular, yet they have a following, yet they have money coming in. That is rare. If you're not good at illustrating and you want to go full-time as a freelance illustrator, you're going to fail. Same goes for branding, same goes web design, product design, hand lettering, everything when it comes to freelance. If your skills are not up to snuff, stay with your day job and keep practicing them on the side. Practice through freelance, you know, do freelance work, you know, build up that client list, build up those projects, build up the skill set. Practice through sharing on social media, create your own YouTube videos, you know, take courses on Skillshare or even watch a ton of YouTube videos to get better at what it is that you do or that you want to do. But make sure that your skills are above par or above average for what it is that you want to do. Someone actually, and this kind of actually sparked, you know, this whole uh, small micro series here. Someone messaged me back in in spring of this year asking me if I thought that they were ready to go full-time freelance. And I asked them three questions. And this is really a good litmus test if you're wanting to go full-time freelance. You know, and the first question was, you know, are you freelancing now? Their answer, no, but I want to. I just don't have the time to do it right now. And I kind of was looking you know, thinking about that. And I was like, uh, that instantly should say no to me. You know, the, the second question, do you have a nest egg of three, six months? And their response was it's a pandemic. It's too hard to save money right now, which is true. It is hard to save money right now, but if you want to, you can do it. And the third one is, is your skills above average, you know, and as good or better than others around you, whether, you know, it's on Instagram or whether it's, you know, the people that you work with, you know, are your skill sets better than most of the people? Not all the people, but you know, above average. And they were like, I wish. I'm not, I'm nowhere near as good as half the people at my current job. You know, if they had answered just one of those questions with a no, you know, or a negative, I would have been like, okay, you are not ready. You are not ready. You know, she told me no to all three of those answers. And by the way, I'm not making fun of her. I'm not calling her out and being negative to this person. But the thing is, is that these are very important things that you have to think about. There's a lot of people who take a look at working full-time freelance or working for themselves, and they see it as this like thing on a pedestal. And they see it as it's the goal of every single creative person out there to eventually work for themselves and be unshackled from the man. That is not the case. I I can tell you this right now, you are always going to be shackled to somebody in some form or some fashion, especially with your career. You are never going to be independent unless you are sitting there creating, you know, 3D art for NFTs and selling them. And even then you're still tethered to the market and to the people actually buying them. So it's like, there's a lot of things out there that you have to consider with this. You know, if she would have made that jump to full-time freelance right then and there, and she didn't have any of those things set aside or or prepared, she probably wouldn't even made a month as a full-time freelancer. And I don't want that. Whenever somebody comes to me and they ask me this question and they want to know if they're ready or what they need to succeed, I do not want to see them fail. It's the worst thing, but I've seen that over and over again, you know, but the reason why I bring her up and bring up this topic is because two weeks ago, 
she messaged me. And she told me, you know, thank you so much for, you know, everything that that I told her, all the feedback I gave her. And I was very, very straightforward. And I was like, I told her all the things that I'm telling you guys right now. And she told me that, you know, she saved up for three months. You know, she saved up, you know, to get three months worth of expenses and everything like that. She was living in San Francisco, which is even more expensive. I don't think some people realize how expensive it is. I feel like San Francisco is the most expensive city in the United States, let alone one of the most expensive cities in the world. But she moved from San Francisco, you know, back home to uh, where her parents live. I can't remember where. I think it was somewhere in the Midwest. And she decided to do that because she wanted to make that jump. She was that serious about making that jump to working for herself. And she's been freelancing now full time for two months. And in that time, you know, she has booked or she is booked for the rest of the year. And when I read that, I was so happy for her. I was so proud of her because, you know, she went through and she did the right things. Now, is she going to make it? I have no idea. But she went ahead and she showed with vigor that she is able to accomplish what she wants to do. You know, she said no to all three of those things. I feel like she can say yes to all three of those things, hopefully all three of those things today. So you have to do all this. You have to like really prepare in order to make that jump into, you know, full-time freelance. You know, I've shared a lot of the same information with so many people over the years. I've talked about probably the same topic on the podcast multiple times. And it's very rare that the people that I share this with are able to make it or even attempt to make it as a full-time freelancer. If they don't have some sort of plan in place, you know, if they're, you know, see working for themselves, you know, as like this big picture thing, this pedestal type of thing, you know, focus on freedom and that's all that they they crave. Unfortunately, those people aren't going to succeed at working for themselves full-time. It's just, it's not gonna happen, unfortunately. And, you know, unfortunately for some people, they don't even have that choice. They don't have the choice of, you know, going in and preparing for three months, six months, you know, saving up the money, you know, doing all this laundry list of things that I just shared with you guys because they're basically being pushed into it. And so in the next episode, in the second part of this series, which I know this one is already over like 40 minutes long, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about on the next episode of the Zion Break podcast, you know, what do you do when you're basically pushed off the cliff into being a full-time freelancer? So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If there's anything that I've talked about that you think I should expand upon in a future episode, if you have any questions about the things that I mentioned, or even if there you feel like I left anything out, please feel free to reach out. Please feel free to send me a message on social media or tag the podcast or whatever it is. Just reach out and let me know. I would love to hear it. You know, if you guys... Uh, would love to. You can sign up for my newsletter on my website, bluecyclops.co. And I'm going to be working to send out more and more letters as I'm putting out these podcasts. So be sure to tune in to the next episode where we go into the more difficult side of this. And that is making that jump when you have to, when you're forced to. So I hope you guys had a great day listening to this podcast. Remember to always stay passionate, stay positive, stay creative, and please be careful out there. This is still a pandemic going on. We want to be safe. We want to have fun. We want to be alive, okay? So stay safe out there. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Have a great day. Bye. 
First off, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to sharing more of these podcast episodes with you in the near future. This podcast was written and directed by me, Rocky Rourke, with special thanks to our brand new podcast editor, Deanna Chapman, for all of her help on this episode and on future episodes. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast or check out some of the previous write-ups and episodes that we put out, you can definitely check us out at bluecyclops.co. That's B-L-U-E-C-Y-C-L-O-P-S dot co forward slash podcast. And please remember to hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you get your podcasting fix, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is please hit that subscribe button. I look forward to sharing more of these podcasts with all of you in the near future. And if you ever have any questions about today's episode, past episodes, future episodes, or if you would like to give any ideas for what you would like to hear us talk about, please send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter at Rocky Rourke, R-O-A-R-K. All right, that's it for me, everybody. Hope you guys have a great day. And as I've said before, always remember to stay passionate, stay positive, and stay creative. All right, that's it. Bye, everybody.